0: News. It's one o'clock. I'm Andrew Sharofsky. The headlines. The next chief executive, John Lee, formally receives his official letter of appointment in Beijing from Premier Li ka A leading microbiologist says he sees no need to t- tighten anti-epidemic measures because of COVID outbreaks at two bars in Central. And the Travel Industry Council says plenty of people have expressed interest in joining tourists to Japan, which is to reopen to visitors from Hong Kong in June. The incoming chief executive John Lee has formally received his official letter of appointment in Beijing from Premier Li Keqiang during his 4-day trip to the capital. The premier says the central government will continue to uphold the one country two systems principle and support the city's governance. Mr. Lee also said Beijing has high hopes for the new administration, which include improving people's livelihoods and fighting the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, thank you. Thank you. The central government believes in and looks forward to the new government, broadly uniting and leading people from all sectors in Hong Kong, so as to directly respond to concerns in society, continuously improve government's efficiency, as well as consolidate and enhance the city's status as an international financial, transportation and trade center. In response, John Lee said he's deeply honored and vowed to do his best. Mr. Lee will be officially sworn in as the next chief executive on July the 1st. A leading microbiologist says he doesn't see any need to tighten anti-epidemic measures due to the COVID outbreaks at two bars in Central over the weekend. Speaking on a commercial radio program, Ho Pak Leung from the University of Hong Kong said the overall COVID situation remains stable. But authorities might step up inspections if the bars were found to have committed serious violations of anti-COVID rules, noting that they can now only operate at 75 percent of their capacity. Initial findings show that 700 patrons scanned the Leave Home Safe app and entered the two bars respectively. So it's possible that the bars broke the rules. Going forward, how will the government effectively ensure the venues operate at a lawful capacity? I think the sector should propose a way to the government. Meanwhile, Lan Kwai Fong Association director Anthea Cheung says some bars may have arranged DJ performances, which are now banned for anti-pandemic reasons, since the rules aren't clearly defined. Her comment came as video clips posted online show patrons dancing to a DJ at one of the COVID-affected bars earlier this month. Speaking on an RTHK radio program, Ms. Cheung said, she hopes the sector can discuss with the authorities whether or not the band can be relaxed. In response to our inquiry, the FVHD said DJs playing music is a type of live performance, but it isn't stated clearly in the regulations. We hope the government will discuss with the sector so as to strike a balance between doing business and fighting the pandemic. For example, can we allow the playing of live music while the staff have to wear masks and keep a suitable distance from the customers? The Travel Industry Council says agencies have received many inquiries about tours to Japan since it was announced on Friday that the country would begin accepting groups of visitors from Hong Kong. Fanny Young, the council's executive director, said the first tour, comprising just two travelers, is scheduled to depart on june the nineteenth. She said tours to Japan previously would last around three days and involve up to twenty people, but with seven days hotel quarantine required on return to the SAR, travelers were booking longer visits in smaller groups. What we anticipate is that smaller kind of group tour will be the demand. So after all, you know, people tend to be more alert and prefer to travel with people which they know instead of a stranger. You know, the feeling of security against virus is strong with that kind of thing. So for the travel agency, when they operate for tour groups to Japan, it is also one of the big change in compared with pre-pandemic. She said a 7-day tour to Japan could cost around 30,000 Hong Kong dollars, not including the quarantine hotel on return. The chair of virology at the University of Hong Kong has welcomed the government's changes to the COVID testing regime for Hong Kong arrivals, describing them as sensible. The government yesterday announced that travelers who have recently recovered from COVID-19 but still test positive for the virus in PCR tests will be allowed to fly into the SAR. However, their rapid antigen test must come back negative within 24 hours of boarding the flight. Professor Malik Perry's told RTHK's COVID update program these changes made sense people who have got infected overseas, as you know, they can remain PCR positive for one month, two months sometimes. So that means they can't come back to Hong Kong under the previous regulations. So the modifications, which allows people who have documented infection during the time when they have overseas, as long as they have a negative antigen test, they are allowed to fly in. I think it makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, keep in mind that a PCR test is not evidence of infectiousness. So an antigen test is a bit closer, but even a positive antigen test is not necessarily evidence of infectiousness. But Jean Wu, an emeritus professor of medicine from the Chinese University, says she did not understand the changes to testing rules for inbound travelers. She told the same program the changes mean more added stress for travelers and will put people off traveling. Some people say that reading about the requirements like passing an exam, And then there are all these stresses that you have to do it within the test, the PCR test within 48 hours. And then supposing there's a glitch and you don't get communicated with the results. And then you got to travel and identify the clinic. You have to have a certification for that particular lab. I mean, there's a huge kind of burden on travelers. But the question is, what are we gaining from that, from a public health angle? But certainly it would put people off travelling. Health officials in Shanghai have reported 61 new locally transmitted asymptomatic COVID cases, down from 93 a day earlier, while local symptomatic cases also fell to 6 from 29. Mainland media say hundreds of financial institutions there will be allowed to resume operations from Wednesday. Ben Cavender is a Shanghai-based consultant for the China Market Research Group. He told RTHK's Money Talk program some residents have been allowed to leave their home for a few few hours a day to run errands, and the reopenings have been limited and slow. But he expects there to be more changes in the coming weeks. I'd say probably... 80% of the people that that we've spoken with over the past week have now gotten to the point where they're receiving timed passes that allow one individual from the household to leave their compound for a couple of hours a day, presumably to go shopping or take care of medical issues or things like that. Um, But the reality is is that most businesses are still uh, very closed here, so it's really sort of a limited opening in the right direction, though I think over the next three weeks or so we're going to see pretty big changes in that direction. Overseas now, Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky has made an official visit to the east of the country for the first time since Russia attacked. He said the situation for the army in some parts of the region was indescribably difficult. Mr. Zelensky saw some of the devastation as he walked around Kharkiv with local officials. He also presented awards to Ukrainian soldiers and thanked them for their service. It's a great honor for me to be here. I want to thank each of you for your great service, for risking your life for the sake of our country. Thank you for protecting our country's independence. Take care of yourselves. Glory to Ukraine. Meanwhile, Russia's Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov said that what he called the liberation of Ukraine's Donbass region was Moscow's unconditional priority. President Joe Biden has promised to turn pain into action as he concluded his visit to the town of Uvalde in Texas, where 19 children and two teachers were killed in Tuesday's mass shooting. There's been anger that it took over an hour for police to confront 18-year-old Salvador Ramos. The BBC's Barbara Plett Usher is in Uvalde. This is the hardest visit a president has to make, especially when the victims are so young. Mr. Biden and his wife, Jill, joined the mourning of a devastated community, pausing to recognize each of those murdered at this school, 19 children and two teachers. The president draws on his personal history in these moments of public grief because he's lost two children of his own. A bouquet of flowers added to the mound of remembrance that seeks to dampen the horror by honoring the dead. Mr. Biden went on to attend a church service and meet privately with the families of the victims. Authorities in Brazil say the number of people known to have died following torrential rain has risen to at least 56, with more than 50 others still missing. Landslides and torrents of mud triggered by the rain have demolished poor neighborhoods and shanty towns in northeastern Pernambuco State. Daniel Taizas dos Santos escaped death, but says others did not. I woke up to a bang and was immediately filled with agony. I rushed out and saw that a part of my neighbor's house had been destroyed. Then there was a second bang and the rest of the house collapsed. The whole family, the father, the mother and two children, died. The military in Nepal says it's located a small passenger plane that went missing yesterday in cloudy weather with 22 people on board. The Army spokesman posted a photo on social media showing wreckage with the plane's tail number clearly visible. There's no word on the fate of the passengers. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 21,087. That's 390 points up on the previous close. Turnover stands at $73 billion. And in currencies, one U.S. dollar will buy you 126.96 yen. The euro is standing at one U.S. dollar and seven cents. And the pound is worth nine Hong Kong dollars and 91 cents. And to sports, we start with basketball, where the Boston Celtics, led by 26 points from Jason Tatum, having advanced to the NBA, NBA Finals by defeating Miami 100-96, setting up a showdown against the Golden State Warriors. Boston captured the winner-take-all match up to take the best of seven Eastern Conference Finals 4-3 to three, and secure a place in the championship series, which begins on Thursday in San Francisco. And in football, Nottingham Forest are back in the English Premier League after an absence of 23 years. The former European champions beat Huddersfield Town 1-0 in the championship playoff final at Wembley Stadium, a victory worth over $200 million U.S. million to the club. Forest manager Steve Cooper, who replaced Chris Hughton after the club lost six of their first seven matches of the season, says he wants to create more history at City Ground. Players have been incredible this season, you're at the very bottom and it's hard to tear off the canvas and do what we've done. But they deserve it, you know, we deserve to get promoted, there's no doubt about that. And uh, the football that we've played, young players thriving, older players offering experience, scoring lots and lots of goals. You know, kept clean sheets every time we've had a mini setback, we've recovered. And that's what winners do, you know, and... um, I'm just pleased for, for everybody connected with the football club. You know, we are a big football club. We know that, full of history and tradition. We stand on that, proud. But I've always said, let's try and create a, a next positive chapter. And, you know, we've managed to do that. Tennis next. The 13-time champion, Rafael Nadal, will face world number one and longtime rival, Novak Djokovic, in the quarterfinals of the French Open. The King of Clay needed five sets to get past Canada's Félix uh, me, Nadal says he's expecting another fight against the defending champion. Well, uh... <laughs> Of course, we know each other well. Uh, we have a lot of history together. Of course, he, he came here after winning Rome. For me, having a been uh, not the ideal uh, situation to, to arrive here. But here we are. We are in Roland Garros. It's my favorite place, without a doubt. And the only thing that I can tell you, I'm going to be focused since uh, tomorrow. going to try my best, as always. I don't know what can happen, but the only thing that I can guarantee is I'm going to fight until the end. So many thanks. Djokovic had an easier time against Argentina's Diego Schwartzman, winning in straight sets 6-1, 6-3, 6-3. And today the women's top seed Iga Swiatek uh, takes on China's Zheng Qinwen for a place in the quarterfinals. The 20-year-old Swiatek says she's developed a good variety in her game. I remember my first year on WTA. It was, I, I mean, I didn't feel like I have much options, you know? So right now um, I have them for sure. And I feel like I have much more variety. So that's great. And that's something that um, really helped me to gain more confidence, you know? So um, it has changed for sure. But, you know, just also the experience and knowing which solution is the better one for specific situation, it's also pretty cool to have. In Formula One, Red Bull's Sergio Perez has won the Monaco Grand Prix, and it was failure once again for Charles Leclerc and his Ferrari team. More from the BBC's Jack Nichols. It was yet another home race disaster for Monegasque racer Charles Leclerc. The Ferrari driver had qualified on pole position and was comfortably leading the early stages of a wet race. But Ferrari made mistakes in the pit stops. They came in for dry tyres too late and were jumped by everybody else in the top three. Sergio Perez took the lead and managed to hold off Carlos Sainz to take his first Grand Prix victory in Monaco. Verstappen finished third and extended his lead at the top of the championship and Leclerc could only finish fourth. And we'll finish off a bulletin with the weather. Uh, It's very hot with sunny periods, isolated showers in the afternoon, mainly cloudy tonight, light to moderate southerly winds. And the outlook persistently hot with sunny periods and a few showers in the next few days. And a word of warning, the very hot weather warning is in effect. The temperature right now at the observatory is a balmy 32 degrees Celsius with the relative humidity at 69%. And that's your news, your sports, and your weather from RTHK. the cotton is her